A blessed Christmas season to you. It's good to be with you this morning and to um, consider this final word uh, in Advent, the word that set it all in motion. Um, I think you know that love is not first a feeling. It's first an action. So when John is trying to explain what this is all about, he settles on this phrase. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Uh, that's in the third chapter. He has a much more theologically tuned um, reflection on that beginning in the first chapter. Would it be easier if I just use the handheld? He has a much more uh, theologically tuned uh, reflection beginning in the first chapter, and it's that that I want to take a few minutes on this morning. I'm really grateful for the kids uh, being here, so I'm cognizant of that, so don't panic. I won't be going my usual hour and 45 minutes. Um, so, uh, <laughs> wait a minute, I've never gotten applause for a short sermon before. <laughs> it's, uh, maybe some have been tempted. Um, but John begins this, this declaration. You can hear the echoes of Genesis, but you can also hear the echoes of the Greek culture in which John wrote, where he takes a word, logos, word, that resonates in both of those frames and invites a reinvention of them when he says the logos in the beginning was the logos, the, the logos, the word. And that word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was light of all mankind, and that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John writes these words 50, 60 years after the event that he describes. And you hear the echo of Genesis 1, in the beginning was the word. But you also, maybe if you're familiar, hear the echo of Greek philosophy in which the logos was this summing up of, of, of the entirety of, of the way of being, the philosophy, the way of understanding, the, the way things made sense, the, the expression of, 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 of core truth. And for the Greeks, of course, this was uh, the highest ideal. This was the philosophical tradition. This was the, the, the kind of the epicenter of, of, of believing. And so in either of these instances, and, and for the Old Testament folks, right, the, in the beginning was the word, we recognize that this whole thing began with an expression, a let there be that invited life in, into being. There was light, in, and on and on the list goes in Genesis chapter 1. So John is very cognizant of these two kind of streams that flow together in this one phrase. And, and notice what he does here. Just kind of park that for just a second, but notice what he does. That word actually has a first name. That philosophy, that 
philosophical gathering up of all of the wisdom of the universe. It's not just a theory. It's not just an idea. That essence of being has a first name. Hang on to that for a minute because he says something significant happens. That word, notice the tense of the verb, shines in the darkness. This is not a past tense moment for John. He, remember, he's writing under dire circumstances. His world, as he knows it, is coming to an end. He has been hit. He is in exile on an island. He is under threat of his life. And he said that light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not been able to overcome it. This is... This is our current reality. Ad Advent, here we are on the fourth Sunday of Advent. Advent for us has gotten hijacked by Christmas. Anybody notice that? It's this like Christmas light. It's, it's, it's the, the thing that sets us up. But in fact, Advent when it was designed was to keep in mind the second coming of Jesus not just the first, because the first makes a promise that is only fulfilled in the second. And here we are. We live in between the comings of Christ, yeah? Anybody want the promise to be fulfilled? Even so, Lord Jesus, come, right? It's the longing that is set in motion by the promise of a light that shines in the darkness, but and the darkness doesn't overcome it. I don't know if you have ever found yourself uh, in Crystal Cave or some of the, uh, up in Kings Canyon or in a, a, a place where you're invited to join the public, maybe you know, Carlsbad Caverns in New Mexico, and you go down and down and down hundreds of feet below the surface of the earth, right? And you're, you're guided and there's the light shining and all of that good stuff, and then all of a sudden they prepare you, but then they turn the lights off. And your lights, your eyes quickly adjust to the, to the, or maybe you're a, a professional spelunker, and you do the you do the cave searching. But you know what it's like when the lights go out, when your headlamp is dimmed, or when the electricity that has lit your path so far goes out. You know what it's like to be in absolute can't see your hand in front of your face darkness. And John says that darkness, as thick and pervasive as it is, has not been able to overcome the light. It's like if you've been in that space, perhaps you've found yourself peering into what seems like darkness and you see a lightning in the dark in the distance. Does that make sense? And, 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 and if, you, if you follow that hint of a maybe of a possible light, you discover maybe a crack through which the light shines. It's part of what Leonard Cohen's powerful song celebrates. The reason there are cracks is so that the light can shine in. And John says that word spoken became flesh and dwelt among us. That word spoken, that word that brought the universe into being, 
true light, giving light, verse 9, uh, to everyone coming into the world, in the world, even though the world knew him, created by him. His own people didn't accept him, rejected him, didn't receive him. But anybody who received him, to those who believed into his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or human decision or husband's will, but born of God. This is a deep mystery. The world that he spoke into being, the world that has his thumbprints all over it, the world that is, is shaped by his hand, didn't recognize. His own people who, with whom he shared common DNA didn't recognize him. So in the dark were they that when light came, they didn't recognize him as them. That's how inhuman we had become. That when one who was actually fully human came, we didn't recognize him as, as ours. We didn't recognize him as one of us. You, you, we, we, you know how that... that feels you've you've so we've so lost this is what John is saying we've so lost our way that when the one who is the way comes we think he's wrong and we're right anybody else gotten yourself into trouble making yourself the center of validation of reality of truth and John says we didn't even recognize him that's how lost we were he is the standard of what is true and, and right and the way, and we are so lost that we think he's off. This past year, we, Jude and I moved into a new home, and, um, and I finally got my piano out of, out of storage. It had been in a garage for over 10 years. My piano tuner, who's a friend of mine, says, this is the most out-of-tune piano I have ever tuned. And he said, it's going to take probably half a dozen tunings until it holds its tune. Anybody know what that feels like? You've been parked in the garage of the darkness and brought finally to being tuned to the light. It's probably going to take a while. It's probably going to take a while to learn how to see again in the way that we're built to see, in the way that we are intended to see. So John says, look, this is what happened. This is what happened. Our, our, our darkness has blinded us so that when the light appears, we don't recognize him. We don't, we don't see him. We don't own him. But that word has a, has a workaround for our darkness blindness. He became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. He dwelt among us. He didn't insist. Have you noticed how disappointing the nativity is? I mean, we've 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 gussied it up, but don't you think with all of that prophetic pronouncement that Joseph and Mary had, that when that baby was born, they were kind of like, like, does he glow? I mean. <laughs> Where's the halo? And he just looks like a normal, ordinary baby boy. And you could look at Mary and Joseph looking at each other like saying, this is, 
this is it? They were not the first to be disappointed with Jesus in his lifetime. Every time he showed up, people expected him to be something that he chose not to be, that he was not. The light shines in the darkness. <laughs> and our darkness is so thick and so dense that we can't accept the light for what it is. So he decided just to move into the neighborhood and start to live with us, became flesh dwelling among us. And then John says something absolutely remarkable. We have seen his glory. The way glory is the medium of, of revelation. It's how God is recognized, how God is seen. We saw his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, the Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Those two words are, are English from Greek from Hebrew. And the Hebrew in behind those two words is chesed and chamed, loving kindness and tender mercy, the, 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 the thumbprint of God, the face ID of God. When you see what he's really like at the core, John's going to su summarize this for us in a few chapters. He's going to say, God is love. And when we saw him, when we saw his glory, he was full of everything that makes God, God. Full of that loving kindness, full of that character, full of that compassion, full of that mercy, full of that forgiveness. That's where Chemet has boots on the ground. It, it's the mercy that forgives the undeserved. Anybody grateful that forgiveness doesn't just come to those who deserve it? Forgiveness is love in action. Forgiveness is mercy lived out. And we're invited into this where he says, out of his fullness, verse 16, we've all received grace in place of grace. The law was given, and it was very quickly clear that we had not a hope. Grace and truth, though, loving kindness, tender mercy, love with boots on, is revealed in Jesus Christ. Nobody's ever seen God, but this one and only Son who is God himself and is in closest relationship. Oh, wait, there it is. Love is not something you believe. Love is someone you know. I think sometimes we who are followers of Jesus want people so much to believe things about him that we forget his strategy was first to invite people to fall in love with him. He invites us into that same. People will believe what they believe. In fact, I guess that almost everybody who followed Jesus at the time, including any of you in the room who were followers of Jesus, believe stuff about Jesus that's not actually true. You're okay with that, yeah? <laughs> but what do we do with that? Well... It's relationship. I've fallen in love with him. We'll get belief straightened out along the way. You'll notice that John says he's the way before he's the truth. We want to go right to the truth without following in the way. Jesus invites us to love him and in that relationship to know him, to know the truth about him, and to let that life be shaped by that grace and truth. 
few chapters later, in one of the most memorable scenes, I don't know if you guys are chosen fans. Um, I am. I, I love. I love that. I love that. I love that. I can't get out of an episode without crying. Something's seriously wrong. But anyway, um, one of my favorites is Nicodemus. That conversation, right? He comes and and notice how John uses the symbolism. He came to Jesus at night, out of the dark. That's not just a description of the time of day. That's the condition out of which Nicodemus came. Remember, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not, has not, cannot, will not ever overcome it. So here's Nicodemus, a child whose faith has been defined in the dark, an expert in the remembrance of what light was like, but who himself has never seen it comes to Jesus out of the night. And Jesus blows him out of the water. He, he, he can't understand. What in the world are you talking about? And Jesus talks about being born from above and all of the things. And then John, explaining what has just gone down in Nicodemus' soul, says this. For God... So loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe into him would not perish but have eternal life. Because, you see, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Love is not a feeling. It's an action. It's an action that risks how many have been hurt by loving too much. You, 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 you can't love and, and not risk. You can't. Because you open up your heart to the kind of intimacy, to the kind of knowing and being known that John talks about. He's made him known. How do you, how do you know the Father? John says it's only through relationship with the son. That's the only way. It's not a, a textbook of here's what the father's like. It's let's go for a walk. Let's do life together. Nicodemus, here you are coming out of the darkness, that cave that you have found yourself in. And for some reason in the teaching of Jesus, in the ministry of Jesus, Nicodemus saw a hint of a possible maybe of a light shining in the dark distance and, and saw the, the, the cave that he was, was in, imprisoned by perhaps even his own belief, and saw the hint, a graying of a possible source beyond his believing. And made his way gingerly, feeling his way in the darkness. So many of you know what that feels like. You're kind of just edging along afraid that the ground might disappear. And he comes to Jesus out of the dark. And John says, yep, this is what love does. It's this gravitational pull. It's what you were built for. Why do you think Nicodemus came? Well, he thought he came for explanation. I suspect that he actually came because his heart was drawn by Jesus' heart. 
His longing to be known was drawn by Jesus' willing to know. His longing, his desire, his, his, his quest for understanding masked the deep emptiness at the center of his soul. Because you'll never think your way to love. You'll never understand your way to loving. You will love your way to understanding. And Jesus invites those of us still kind of feeling our way gingerly in the dark. We see a maybe a candlelight of a hint of a maybe. And we are brought to an awareness. Maybe there's some crack through which the light shines. If I can just get there. If I can just get there. He invites us to live. To extend into this moment. And, and, and w w because we are in the between comings of Jesus, can we expect the dark to give up easily? I think not. Um, 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023. It's like 2024, let's hear it. You, you can do this. And then we see the dysfunction everywhere. Jude and I saw a nativity scene on the steps of the churches of Bethlehem framed in the rubble of the bombing. Couldn't go to Bethlehem this year. Pilgrims couldn't go. It was under bombardment. We're not going to get better on our own, brothers and sisters. All we know how to do is make dark darker. We need someone to come as light. And that word was made flesh and moved into the neighborhood, inviting us to know him. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Lord Jesus, I thank you for um, this moment in which perhaps even in this place, there are those who um, maybe not exactly but resonate with this image of darkness in their own journey, struggling with what it means um, to understand. And maybe they're regular attenders of Canopy. Maybe they just came because it's Christmas and it was time. Maybe they came because something draw, drew them. And um, in the middle of this morning, there is an awareness that maybe, maybe there's a hint of light somewhere that will illumine their darkness. And I'm going to invite you, just if you would please, friends, to consider. If you're here this morning and you resonate with any of that imagery, any of that metaphor, and recognize that the darkness that you feel yourself living in is not going to be illumined by your own. That you need Jesus. You need to turn to him out of the night. You need to come to him and let the light that is just beginning to hint that it exists. You need to turn towards that. And I don't know what that means for you. It might be too soon to ask you to believe things about him. But can I ask you to give him a chance to maybe explore what it would like be like to follow him for a while until you're given a chance to fall in love with him? 
And if you're like that, if you're at a place where you're willing to maybe begin to turn and I can pray for you this morning before we move on with the rest of the service, I'd like to do that. Is there anybody like that? Just raise your hand real quick where you are. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for these uh, few folks who have just said, um, I'm not sure what it all means. I'm not even sure I know what I need to do next, but there's something in what is happening, and I want to be part of that. And so I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would settle down deeply and let your love just gravitational pull, just the attraction, magnetic attraction of love, draw them out of the darknesses into the light. You can do that in a way that I can't even imagine, and I pray that you would. We ask it in Jesus, who came to be with us, and not just with us, but for us, not to deliver us, not to get us out of the mess, but to be with us in it, teaching us how to walk in the light. Do it, we pray. Amen.